The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and you are listening to the Rough House Podcast. Yeah! The opinions expressed in the Rough House Podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the WWE, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, GFW, are they even still a thing? MCW Pro Wrestling, CZW, Nads Flappy Sack, Marvel Studios, Kellogg's, Frisky's Cat Food, Ted Turner, Jameson Irish Whiskey, Fruit of the Loom, Hershey's, Samsung, Amblin Entertainment, Groundskeeper Willie, or the cast and crew of The Walking Dead. Since the dawn of mankind, those in professional wrestling have turned to the Pro Wrestling Podcast to gain insight into how to do their jobs, how to create angles, develop new characters, and create fiery feuds with which to capture an audience's attention. What better group of individuals than basement dwellers on internet purchased microphones to guide the hand of a multi-million dollar industry? We're proud to present one such podcast courtesy of the Realm Network here at the Rough House where black people and white people watch wrestling and Hispanic people too and all people. Hi everybody, hello, welcome to the Rough House Podcast, episode 199. Oh lordy. Yeah, take two. Uh, I'm Marty Day. And I have become God. <laughs> no, uh, I, I am not Kota Bushi. Um, as much as I, you know, would ravage myself daily if I were. Uh, no, I'm Christoph, and uh, man, this has been uh, quite the whirlwind week in the world of pro res. Yes, friend. indeed, it has. Uh, we we've wrapped up uh, the the G1 climax, the massive month long tournament of New Japan Pro Wrestling with three nights of incredible action at Sumo Hall. We wrapped up the WWE draft, and we've got uh, new rosters for Raw and SmackDown, and we had uh, (laughs) (laughs) new-ish rosters for Raw and SmackDown, which will last as long as it takes until they get bored and decide Mm -hmm. to just let everybody blend together. Uh, We've got... uh, 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 a, an unfortunate prediction coming true <laughs> in relation to uh, the state of indie wrestling. Uh, and uh-huh. we had a massive uh, anniversary show for AEW for Dynamite. Uh, there's God. there's a lot of stuff to get into. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's go ahead and get right into it and kick it off with really the biggest weekend in pro res, the G1. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I, I, I always forget. How dare I? Yeah, that's a banger too. That's a hell of a dirty riff. It, it, like it. it really is. I, I will say one of the things I love about all the the hype music that New Japan uses is it consistently sounds like it should be from a video game. Million percent. Yeah, they really kind of lean into it um, over there, and I love them for it. Like they're oh, like because you know this morning was the finals. I got up uh, early to watch it before um, before we started our recording, and just the yes. opening video package had not a clue what the fuck the guy was saying. But just yeah. the way they put their video packages together with the you know dramatic echo effects and the big yeah. voice and the you know the subtitles on the screen and the Japanese care. I I love everything about the entire presentation. 
presentation. And this is probably going to be a big uh, New Japan gush session yes. um, because despite the fact that I watched nine to ten New Japan shows this week in the past yeah. seven days because yeah. I was behind, um, I still absolutely fucking love New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting couple months leading up to Wrestle Kingdom which was officially announced this morning yes. as another two-day event, January 4th and 5th in 2021. So we're about a little over two months away. Yeah. So, uh, which coming is back to the crazy Tokyo to Dome. think about. Uh, you yeah. know, not, not only the, the kind of boldness <laughs> of calling your shot Babe Ruth style and saying, hey – you know, last year we did we did two uh, Tokyo Domes. They said we couldn't do two Tokyo Domes. Well, guess what? We're going to do it again uh, to, to call it out, uh, especially in a time like this. I, I recognize they'll probably still have the, the same level of precautions and, and, and measures in place oh, yeah. to, um, you know, not have a full, uh, you know, 60,000 person show. But still, it's going to be 25, 30,000 people. Easy. And uh, two nights back to back like that, it, it should be huge. And and it, the G1 Climax is what builds to these massive shows. And uh, they built very strongly with some twists and turns along the way. But before I... we talk about the, the three nights of finals that took place Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Sumo Hall, let's talk a little bit about the week that was, Chris. Uh, we had, uh, like all week long, we had... Uh, big shows, big matches, um, yeah. and uh, I believe it was uh, nights 15 and 16 uh, right. that, that happened uh, before everything went down. 15 headlined by Okada versus Ishii, which was which pretty Which fucking good. ruled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a shockingly good match between Taichi and Shingo Takagi. I mean, I, I know Shingo's our boy and everything, but uh, I was definitely surprised okay. by how entertaining that was. Um, I, I think after this G1... I can call myself a fan of Tai Chi. And man, had you asked me at the beginning of the G1 <laughs> of the least likely things, I would say this is probably number three on the list yes. uh, behind me becoming fans of Yujiro Takahashi and me becoming fans of Yoshihashi, which almost was the case in terms of Yoshihashi. But yeah. uh, Tai Chi definitely put some fucking work in in this tournament and really earned a lot of uh, respect from me with my internet purchase microphone and my glasses <laughs> watching, uh, you know, watching Japanese pro wrestling on a friend's account. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and who would have expected it considering uh, of, of anyone in the New Japan roster – uh, tai Chi was the one that popped up with the quarantine belly when they first yeah. came back yeah. for the New Japan Cup. Like, who would have thought that would be one of the guys who would be talking about post G1 is is really uh, doing the work. Uh, another great match from the week was uh, on night 16. Uh, the main event was Sonata and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Sonata, a guy who we were kind of dogging at the beginning of the tournament for mm -hmm. um, his uh randy orton-esque ability to not give a shit uh yeah when to the point he doesn't have to to. <laughs> to the point where kevin kelly even goes as much as to say that in the um in the b block finals talking yeah. about and i was kind of shocked to hear him say that um but you, you know he said what we were all thinking and you know sonata did turn it up at the tail end of the tournament the finals match which happened today we'll get into i'm curious to see your thoughts about it uh if you want if you had time to watch it i have not had a chance to okay. watch it yet i'm very much looking forward to watching it today in fact I, i'm behind two as i haven't watched the b block finals yet but i have watched the a block finals 
And uh, let's let you just dig right into that. Let's talk about three big nights at Sumo Hall. Yeah. Lots of big stories and and, and surprises abound uh, as uh, the A Block last night kicked off uh, after the Young Lions match, of course, with Yujiro Takahashi versus Jeff Cobb. Um, this was fine. Surprised that Yujiro ended up going over, considering Cobb is definitely someone who they got behind in this tournament. Yes, yes. it was a, a tainted victory, but still pretty surprised that Yujiro ended up winning that one. Or winning a match, which was this was his yes. only match. He yes. finished one and eight. Uh, and yeah, I wish it hadn't been at the expense of Cobb as well. But I feel like Cobb, you know, earned enough cred and you uh really showed both the new japan staff and locker room and the fans worldwide what he really is capable of. and and i think cobb has just become one of my most fun people to watch because yeah. of his strength he's like a you know he's kind of like a, a hybrid brock lesnar and will osprey sort of situation happening there because uh, he can do some of the not insane not maybe will osprey was not the right choice more of a kota bushi brock <laughs> right, lesnar right, hybrid right, right um someone who can do some crazy occasional flippy shit but is just pure strength and you know ragdolling people is very very fun to watch yeah, and, and I imagine there's part of you because you are and were such a Lucha Underground fan to see uh, Matanza, you know, yeah. be a, a name guy in New Japan. It, it's basically you're getting your chocolate and your peanut butter. Yes, <laughs> that, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, it I imagine certainly you're, doesn't hurt. You're very happy about that. Speaking of matches, we are happy with uh, A Block uh, Finals also had Shingo Takagi versus Minoru Suzuki. A sh- surprisingly short match for yeah. these two, just going over 12 minutes in length. Uh, but this was definitely a tease, as it looks like we're going to get a rematch between Shingo and Minoru Suzuki for the Never title uh, at Power Struggle in November. Um I, I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the post-match with uh, Suzuki making it clear that he... Uh, Kind of enjoyed getting the crap beaten out of him by Shingo. Um, I, I I thought this was dope for as short as it was. Yeah, old old murder grandpa, you know, just doing what he do. Um, the term fight forever is tossed around a lot these days. <laughs> but if there was a place where it really has practical application, I would say it would be between Shingo Takagi and Minoru Suzuki because they're just perfectly suited for each other. It's just always entertaining anytime they're in there trading blows and trying to prove who's tougher and stronger and has more fighting spirit. It kind of embodies, you know, the strong style of of Japanese wrestling and I couldn't love it anymore. Yes. So 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 good. And then after intermission, we had a match that uh, a lot of people were talking about this weekend as it was Will Ospreay versus Kazuchika Okada. Um, this was going to be one of those matches that was going to be a, a, a highlight of the tournament uh, any way you looked at it. But what was surprising was how angle driven this match became. Yeah. Um, let's call it three quarters of the match. Just, you know, your straightforward New Japan, hard nosed, great match uh, with two of the best in the game. And, and it's uh uh, it's very clear the level of respect that Okada has for Osprey. Uh, I don't know if you mm-hmm. know this, Chris. Uh, Osprey is in New Japan because of Okada's recommendation. Yeah, uh, Okada yeah. saw him in, in Rev Pro and said, "You know, this guy is going to be the greatest professional wrestler in the world by the time he's thirty. And um, well, he's given him that rub as 
towards the end of this match, we got ourselves a massive heel turn from Will Ospreay, which uh, a lot of the internet had already been doing for uh, Billy Brexit. And, um, well, he, yeah. he, you know, he, 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 he brought it upon dimwit. himself. He, he yeah. brought it upon himself. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Uh, but towards the end of the match, uh, Will Ospreay's real life girlfriend and member of the stardom roster, B Priestley, ran in. Mm-hmm. Grabbed, As he was in the money clip. Yeah, while he while uh, 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 Osprey was in the money clip, uh, Priestley jumped in the ring, grabbed the referee, and while that is happening, back from excursion, the great Okan which uh, is former young lion uh, Tomoyuki Oka ran in and hit a claw slam. That's his big move on Okada. Osprey hits a Stormbreaker and pins Okada one, two, three. And uh, we have ourselves the beginning of a new faction in New Japan Pro Wrestling led by Will Ospreay. Yeah, just uh, it was very shocking. Um, but I got you know, like you said, the, the seeds had kind of been planted. Will had been working a little more dickishly and heelishly right, throughout right. the entire tournament, and it kind of came to a head in his final um, block match here with Okada. Uh, up until the interference, I thought it was awesome. Tons of counters. The guys know each other really well. It was very yeah. entertaining. And I liked the development of this of this heel turn. I like, you know, seeing B uh, come up in there because unlike, you know, like a Peter or whomever come uh, Miho Abe, I think is the one who yes. comes in with yes. uh, Tai Chi, right. you know, B can bump. Um, so, you know, and not not to say that I think you know uh, Okada's going to lay hands on on Priestley, but if you know something happens and she gets bumped off the apron into a table or something, she'll be able to take it. Um, and also, this kind of leads to a little more stardom, New Japan synergy that we've seen before. Right. Because this morning, when I know we're jumping ahead, but this morning when Ok uh, Osprey and um, Okarn Okan. Okan. I'll get that right. Yes. Okan and Priestley came out. Priestley came out with her um, Stardom title belt. Yes. Um, so, of course, now Stardom being owned by Bushi Road, the same company that owns New Japan, it makes sense. But, you know, you're starting to see those lines uh, blur and come together a little bit more. But I really did enjoy this. I'm looking forward to just Osprey really leaning into being a prick because it comes super naturally to him. Um and uh, and yeah, it's uh, I think Empire is the the word that's being tossed around yes, as yes. perhaps the name of the of the faction. And this morning on the commentary, uh, Kevin Kelly was talking about um, you know Great Okan gets his name from Genghis Khan and the Mongolian mm-hmm. Empire. Chris Charlton, being British, of course, comes in talking about Bill, Billy O'Spray and the British Empire. Right. So Empire, and I guess they both love Queensrÿche. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's maybe the, and Terrence Howard. I don't know. Yes. I'm not sure yes. how it all comes together, yeah. but it looks uh, like Empire is going to be the name of their faction. And and that is a great name. And you know what? Uh, I'm just happy that we are finally seeing a, a faction that is not just more Bullet Club or LIJ members. Uh, I, I, yes. I've got nothing against uh, the current incarnation of the Bullet Club. I've got nothing against LIJ. Uh, I just I'm glad to see something else 
pop up in the mix here. Uh, what is most interesting, though, so this morning uh, I was running errands, as I do most Sunday mornings, and, uh, of course, accompanying me in my earbuds was Wrestling Observer Radio, much like, you know, a football fan will watch ESPN to uh, watch their favorite talking heads break down the game that they just saw. I needed to hear what Uncle Dave had to say about the uh, G1 Finals. What was most fascinating was this random tidbit he threw out while discussing this heel turn with Brian Alvarez, that apparently this is the work of Chris Jericho. What? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> <clears throat> so is he the, the, the puppet master behind this? I, uh, I'm curious the, to see how and if he ties into this. Yes. It, um, it, it, the way it sounded like was he is involved in the booking. I don't know if this means he's involved in the booking because he wants to do an angle with Osprey, if he's involved in the booking because he's friends with Gato, if he's involved in the booking because he's friends with Osprey. I don't know. All I know is he said that and he indicated that, quote unquote, there was an interesting conversation two or three weeks ago. And that huh. puts us around the time that we had some changing of the guard in terms of yeah. leadership of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which, as we all know, was sort of the the impasse for the All Elite Wrestling New Japan working dynamic. So yeah. we'll see what that actually means. It's just one of those you know, bits that gets tossed out there and you're like, wait, what, 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 <laughs> how does that even work? And what does that even mean? So, uh, if nothing else, a lot of eyes now on what's going to happen with Will Ospreay. We'll talk more about that as we talk about, uh, today's final show, uh, right. as continuing on the a block finals, we had Kota Ibushi defeating Taichi in one of the most unique matches you will ever see. Um, Chris, I know uh, you're you're not as as well versed in in uh, Japanese pro wrestling, but uh, about 15 years ago, there was a match between uh, Kenta Kobashi and um, oh god, what's his name? Uh, it, 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 I can't remember the, his opponent's name, but it was in Noah, and they had a match that was oh, it's Kinsuki Sasaki, uh, who who of worked course. in the U.S. Yeah. Um, Duh. Uh, he, he was, uh, also one of the Hellraisers, AKA, uh, uh, Legion of Doom with, uh, Hawk. Uh, so oh. nevertheless, um, he was a Cenobite. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Suzaki and, and, um, Kobashi had this match <clears throat> where literally they did nothing but chop each other the entire match. Yeah. I don't know if that was the direct inspiration of this, but Tai Chi and Ibushi kicked each other the entire match. And they kept repeating this number this morning on commentary. I think yes. it was 158 yes. uh, kick strikes were thrown in that match between the both competitors. And I think the only non like sidekick or head kick type moves um, were like Tai Chi went for a throw that Ibushi just rolled through and then kept kicking. Mm -hmm. And then there was, uh, I don't remember if he hit a Bamaye or not, but he definitely hit a Kamagoye. Kamagoye um, was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty much it. And it was so fascinating to me to watch, like, you know, 
I say I watched nine or ten New Japan shows, but a lot of times I was fucking scrolling through Twitter on my <laughs> phone just to, you know, see what was going on because not every match grabbed me, you know, 100%. This match had my full attention. I was so intrigued by what these guys were doing and just the physical toll. Like, you wouldn't think just kicking somebody's, you know, hamstring – uh, what it was 150 and so it's like a 50 wait on 80 40 40 sometimes 40 to 50 times <laughs> 49 times 49 there you times go. Uh, that's that's saying that, that the kicks were even. Divided by two, so. Yeah, either way, don't make me do math. I'm not a math guy. I'm not a numbers guy. Uh, just or, watching sorry, that happen and times. see seeing the the physical toll that sort of thing takes uh and just seeing the again the toughness and the fighting spirit and yeah. you know each guy not wanting to yield to the other it was just a fascinating pro wrestling match and you know ibushi is definitely that he's like the avant-garde pro wrestler you know he 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 gets off on stuff like this he's all about just being uh different and weird and pushing the boundaries and what can be considered pro wrestling i mean this was not a grappling match if anything no, this was no this was a kickboxing match yeah uh you know if, if by definition but uh it was it was pretty pretty dope um i really enjoyed it and, you know this isn't something i want to watch every week right but Something, uh, you know, like I said, it, it, it piqued my interest. I was into it, and something like this sporadically happening, I think it's uh, it's good for everything. That's right. And uh, Abushi with the win. Uh, this made for a very unique main event, as the main event was Tamahiro Ishii versus Jay White. And what made this match so unique is the type of storytelling that this match represented that you don't get in traditional professional wrestling and also that you really want to get anywhere but the G1. Um, maybe if, you know, there are other round-robin tournaments, you'd get sure. similar things. But the concept of this match was due to uh, Jay White having defeated Abushi uh, uh, earlier in the tournament and Jay White having a similar record to Abushi. if Jay White had won this match, he would win the A block, full stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ishii, who has no chance of winning the G1 at this point, he'd been mathematically eliminated. If he beat Jay White, Jay would be eliminated and Abushi would continue on. So you have uh, a, a crowd that is behind Ishii, not just because Ishii is an incredible Ishii, worker yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, as he proves every G1, one of the greatest in the world, one of the most underrated, most talented professional wrestlers you will see, full stop. Yep. They were behind him not because they wanted him to win. They were behind him because they wanted him to spoil Jay White's possible victory. Yeah. Yeah, Jay White's a very despicable heel and yeah. uh, is very good at being so. And, you know, this match was really, really good. Yes. Um, you know, White did pulled out every trick in his arsenal. Uh, Gato involvement, cheating, low blows, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. But Ishii being the stone pit bull, immovable object type person that he is, did not yield and found a way to, you know, overcome what was essentially a handicap match. Yeah. Because Gato was involved a lot. Um, but he hit the uh, vertical drop brain buster and, and pinned Jay White for the three, spoiling his chances to win – 
a G1. I believe this was the second straight year that Jay White had a chance to make it to the finals, but then lost out at the very last minute. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Last year he was in the finals with. He was in the finals, but yes. lost in the finals. Okay. Yes. All right. Um. <clears throat> so uh, we had the B Block finals on Saturday. Uh, the first B block match on that show was Yoshihashi versus Taro Yano. Um, I've heard mixed things about this. Uh, the, uh, the observer review describes it as quote unquote, absolutely horrendous, but, um, uh, Big Dave, Dave Meltzer, uh, was very, very much a fan of this match. So Chris, what did you think? Uh, I mean, I gave it one and a half. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> In in terms of uh, Yano matches, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't wasn't up there for me, but, you know, Yoshihashi giving Yano a taste of his own medicine, essentially. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Yoshihashi ends up uh, winning. Uh, and then we went on to Juice Robinson versus Hiroki Goto, which sounds like it was another match on the long term build of making Juice Robinson a big star for New Japan uh, as Juice mm-hmm. ends up going over. Yeah, I, I did enjoy this match. Uh, Goto, you know, Goto's one of those guys that kind of has that warrior mindset and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the fighting spirit. He just it comes across in everything he does. And, you know, he'd been dealing with a shoulder injury throughout the entire tournament, had it all taped up, which, of course, becomes a bullseye for whomever is across the ring from him. Right. And, and Ju- Juice, you know, to the you know, to the extent that a baby face should go, you know, focus on it a little bit, but didn't totally, you know, focus all attention on it. And, um, you know, comes out with, the, with a W after a, uh, I think he hit a, a left hand of God and then the, um, not the juice box. What's, what's he called? The, uh, the kill uh, switch. What is he called? Pulp friction. That's it. Uh, the old kill switch a christian cage's old move or christian cage jesus christ christian uh, <laughs> <laughs> going tna christian up in this yeah pitch. yeah no i appreciate the deep dive there for a second well you know that was the only time he was a world champ so i, I you know <laughs> that's not true he he had it for okay. heartbeat yeah it's, uh, what the big F- gold belt but not the yes, wwe yes. championship okay i mean okay. i'm talking like main title in an organization okay fair fair anyway, anyway yeah juice goes uh, over juice Good goes match, over but then it was followed up with a uh, a rematch from last year's G1 and uh, mm-hmm. what these guys had a lot of time to get to know each other more intimately over the summer with a tag program. It was Hiroshi Tanahashi against uh, one half of the Dangerous Techers, Zack Sabre Jr. Yes. And uh, Tanahashi gets the win back, man, in a very gutsy, uh, smart performance by the ace. Yeah, uh, my understanding of this match, unlike a lot of things you're going to see during the G1, was a bit more technical, a bit more about the grappling and less about like mm-hmm. the the big high impact moves. Yeah, it it was, and you know it showed that uh, you know because that's that's what Zach's known for. Yeah. Um, but you know a lot of this G1 in terms of Tanahashi has been about showing that the ace can still adapt and get it done when he needs to, and he did in this, and it was uh it was a good match. I gave that one three and a half. There you go. Then we had Kenta with a surprise defeat of the double champion Tetsuya Naito. Yeah, another spoiler happening there because Naito, um, had he won this match, he would have mathematically, I think, won the B block, correct? I I believe you're correct. Yeah. 
So Kenta with a, you know, surprise roll up as, you know, they were trading finishers back and forth or reversals, all those sorts of things. Naito goes for a Destino. Kenta rolls him up and gets a gets a three count on him. So, you know, uh, that will lead probably to a match uh, sometime soon, I would imagine, for one of the titles, if yeah. not both. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wouldn't honestly, I wouldn't mind separating the two titles. Yeah, at this point. I, I I think we're definitely at the point where the belts should be split back up. Um, the you know the double titles being defended is one thing was uh, a fun gimmick for a bit, but I I think we're ready to have them split. Um, yeah. and I wouldn't be shocked even to see maybe at Power Struggle he uh, Naito has to defend both over the course right. of the evening. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, with Naito's elimination, the uh, B Block final really was going to decide. Uh, me, the last match of the B Block Final was really going to decide who was continuing yeah. on as it Something was grabs. former tag partners colliding yeah. Sonata versus Evil. And uh, surprisingly, Sonata ends up going over. I think that's the right choice. Uh, yeah. We've had a lot of Evil this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we haven't even had wrestling all of this year. And it seems like there's been a lot of Evil this year. Um <laughs> Or at least, you know, since 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 the past like four or five months. Anyway, um, this was, you know, your your prototypical Bullet Club evil match with a, a lot of Dick Togo. But fortunately, our our dear kindred spirit Hiromu was on commentary uh, throughout this show mm-hmm. and uh, kind of got in the ring to even the score at a couple points to help out his uh, LIJ member friend Sonata here and Sonata. Pulls out the victory with uh, whatever that bridging pin combination is called that he does. Yeah. Um, the the clutch into a pin. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, credit where credit is due. Uh, I, I, I caught a video of the finish of this because I haven't watched the full match yet. Uh, yeah. You actually had uh, the, the Japanese crowds, which have been very, very good about yeah. sticking to protocol screaming out with joy at the end of this they match. were hot yeah yeah they uh, were hot they were 100 percent for sonata in this match yes yes uh massive massive win for sonata and that led us to the big himbo battle <laughs> as a part of the finals <laughs> here today uh as the um final of it all kota ibushi versus sonata but before we got there we had a whole bunch of matches that set up the storylines for power struggle uh it kicked off with an eight-man tag uh with the um suzuki goon team of taichi zack saber jr el desperado and dookie uh, uh, do, sorry, Doki. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Dookie. Doki. Uh, it's because you just love old Green Day. It's true. He's going to come out with a teammate called Kerplunk. <laughs> and then one called Insomniac and one called Nimrod, yeah. who's going to be dressed up like the Sentinel from the future. It's going to be great. And then by then they get to have Gaijin again. So American Idiot <laughs> will just be really easy to throw in. Oh, God. Oh, damn it. I was going to make a Will Ospreay joke and then I remembered he wasn't American. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, the the uh, Suzuki Goon team of Taichi, Zack Saber Jr., El Desperado, and Doki uh, ended up defeating uh, the Chaos team of Goto, Ishi, Yoshihashi, and Tariano. This was all about building the next challengers to the Never Six Man Belts, which are currently yep. held by Goto, Ishi, and Yoshihashi. Um, not a big surprise. Uh, it sounds like it really was not anything special. I mean, no. it sounds like a lot of this undercard was not very. Uh, it's not that it was bad wrestling. It's just none of it was important. It was it was house show wrestling to do storytelling. 
yeah, like you said, it was just building the new angles going forward. Um, so it looks like it'll be Doki. Um, uh, who are the uh, Despera- who are the other two? Uh, Z- ZSJ Taichi. Tai Chi, yeah, because Desperado kind of stood off to the side and clapped the other three on as they were posing with the titles wow. over over Yoshihashi. So and Desperado does have the uh, junior tag belts with Kanemaru, which ties into what came out of correct. match number two. Right, um, so that makes sense. Yeah. But also, ZSJ and Tai Chi have the uh, tag belts, the tag belts, the the heavyweight tag belts. So yes. you know. All, all the belts. There's a lot of titles. Yeah, there there are a lot of titles. Um, and two more of those belts got involved in match number two, as it was Shingo uh, Takagi and Hiromu uh, Takahashi from LIJ defeating Minoru Suzuki and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, building two matches at once, as I was just saying. You yeah. had the build for Minoru Suzuki and Shingo Takagi for the Never Championship, but also Hiromu saying that he and Bushi want a shot at Kanemaru and uh, El Desperado's junior tag belts. So I I guess we'll be seeing that at Power Struggle as well. If there's one way to get me to not fast forward through a Bushi match, it's to have (laughs) Hiromu Takahashi in it. So congratulations, Gato. You got me. Yeah, right right then and there. (laughs) Locked it in. Tricky bastard. Yes. Uh, We had another eight-man tag as it was Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, Juice Robinson, Jeff Cobb, and Master Wado. Oh, yeah, baby. Master Wado's back. Defeating the Bullet Club team of Kenta J. White, Gato, and Taji Ishimori. Um, nothing super major here. Uh, no. the, the face group goes over. Uh, but then after intermission, we got a big showcase for the new Empire faction as Will Ospreay and Great Okan ended up defeating Kazuchika Okada and Sho. And unfortunately, my prediction did not come true. Uh, bef- uh, last night, uh, before the show even started, I texted Chris and I said that I thought that we were going to see Sho turn on Okada and join uh, with Great Okan and Will Ospreay, especially because Yo's out with a knee injury right now. Yeah. Um, no, it just was more about Sho being the uh, lose post in that match. Yeah, but, you know, they kind of the, – the commentary framed the story as, uh, as as we mentioned earlier. Okada was kind of like uh, Osprey's big brother um, in bringing him into New Japan and mm-hmm. instilling him in chaos and all these sorts of things. And they kind of put over the story that, you know, uh, Sho was the equivalent to Osprey's little brother. And right. Sho kind of looked up to him and everything that he could do and they used to, you know, ride together on the bus and all these sorts of things things and show was fired up okada was fired up they were both you know looking for some revenge here um but show fall guy show uh yes. you know eats eats the loss here um but you know sets up the story going forward i it was good to see some of these juniors back because after a full month of no junior matches mm-hmm. uh it's good to see you know hiromu and ishimori and show and these guys who are gearing up for best of the super juniors which will begin in a couple weeks here yeah. um you know, it's good to see those guys back in action and getting their legs back from under. And of course, Master Wado uh, earlier, you know, it's great to see him you know, <laughs> back back in action, looking all derpy like he does. Yes, indeed. And Such then and then we had uh, another throwdown between the Bullet Club and L.I.J. as the Bullet Club duo of Evil and Yujiro Takahashi defeated Tatsuya Naito uh, and Bushi. And it looks like we are still not done with evil versus Nido. Yep. 
still happening. And if anything, that might be what we see at Power Struggle. I was saying earlier about the possibility of maybe they'll split the titles and do two different matches. Yeah. I could see them conceivably doing Naito versus Kenta for one and Naito versus Evil for the other. And then we come back to that issue between Evil and Kenta as they both have what, you know, one half of what was the double title. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine Kenta would go for the IC, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. well, because because Kenta also has a contract for the U.S. title if and whenever that happens. Yeah. Um, well, not if, but when. Right. Uh, you know, is whether or not it's going to be John Moxley or not is the situation. Yes, yes. Uh, which is a whole other thing because you know now with being two nights in Tokyo Dome, they're going to need some stuff to to fill out the card. Maybe this is where you you would imagine John Moxley would come back for that. But as it stands right now, in order to to come and, you know, wrestle in New Japan, you have to come two weeks early to Japan and quarantine for two weeks and have you know, they're they're very stringent with their testing protocols, which is good. Yes. But it also yes. would put a big damper on the month of December for AEW. So if some of these guys are planning to go over for that, you know, a Jericho is possible you know, uh, certainly in contention for that as well to go over in there. You would imagine AEW might have to tape a couple shows in October or not October, uh, December to allow that for that quarantining and, or right. they just leave two of their top guys and maybe more off the show. So, uh, it's going to be curious to see how all this pans out. If there's some kind of announcement that ha- happens prior, or if these are surprise things or, or what, uh, whatever happens at the Tokyo, Dome, but it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be interesting. We're just gonna see how it shakes out here. <laughs> and then we had our big main event: Kota Ibushi defeating Sonata and winning the G1 Climax for the second year in a row. I, I believe I saw today this is uh, the first time someone has done two back-to-back years since Hiroshi Tenzan back in 2004. Yes, I believe that's what they said on commentary. Um, so Abushi uh, uh, shocks the world and lives up to what he was saying. He's saying he will become God. He will become the IWGP <laughs> champion. Chris, how was this match? Well, I, I want to open out by saying that I think the person in New Japan Pro Wrestling, the organization with the uh, the best job, is the guy who gets to tape up Kota Ibushi's uh, thighs. Um, <laughs> That's the job I want if I go to Japan and try to work with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I want to, I want to, I want to get my hands on those, uh, those, 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 those milky thighs there. Um, but uh, homoeroticism aside, uh, the match was okay. It didn't, it didn't really get into that that you know fifth gear. Um, you know, Ibushi, and I don't know if this was him selling or if it's just legitimately still dealing with this, you know, hamstring problem from taking 70 some kicks to his thigh two days prior. But he had uh, trouble, you know, being the base that he is. He had trouble, you know, planning himself for some of his power moves, for some of his kicks. Uh, a lot of his strikes, which is mostly what he's known for, yeah. um, didn't have the power behind them. Some of them did, but the majority of them did not. Um, So, you know, that could just be him being really good at selling. It could have been an actual issue with him. But even, you know, I I stuck stuck watching towards the end uh, as I was making my coffee and stuff to look and see, you know, how Ibushi was standing. Uh, So when he had the um, 
the G1 trophy and the flag. Like he was kneeling as he was, you know, posing for most of his photos. And then he stood up and he had the wobbly legs, man. So there was also a spot in the match where uh, he was shot into the ropes. Sonata tried to go for a drop kick mm-hmm. and I don't know if Ibushi tried to avoid it. I don't know if his leg gave out, but it was kind of an awkward landing for Ibushi and part of um, Sonata may have bonked Ibushi in the top of the head and he looked a little glassy eyed from there on out. Um, So I'm curious to see if anything comes of that or again, if that's just Ibushi being really good at selling. I don't know if if he is then I bought into it and the commentary put it over and I just drank it all up. (laughs) But um, but yeah. The match was good. It wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't a five star banger. It got into third or fourth gear, but just never really uh, hit that final gear. Um, Yeah, it was good, but not amazing. Essentially, post match. uh, I don't know if you caught this, Chris. uh, They did the standard uh, is uh, walk to the back as uh, the the winner of the main event goes to do his press conference and that sort of thing. Uh, while Abushi was doing that, Jay White pops up yeah. with uh, with a Zima in hand, shares them <laughs> with Abushi, and uh, cuts a real quick promo, very very confident, very sly, and says, "Hey, look, you're going to have a, a briefcase not long after this mm-hmm. show, and when you have that briefcase, I'm coming for that briefcase, and I'm going to take it from you." So, uh, sounds like we're going to get Jay White versus Abushi for the Wrestle Kingdom title shot. Uh, probably at power struggle. So, uh, cool. n- nice little, uh, you know, tying it together into a bow there because, uh, Jay white was one of the folks who beat Abushi along his way to the G one victory. So, uh, I-, I like what they're doing there. I'll Who's be honest. With you, he only Chris. lost two matches. Who's yeah, who, who um, else beat Abushi? Uh, I can't. Abushi beat you, Jiro. J one. No, let's see. Suzuki. He beat Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, Shingo. Fuck. How did I forget? It was Shingo. There we go. You know what? Let's, let's run that too. Let's run that like, uh, on one of the road two shows at Karakin Hall before Wrestle Kingdom. Let's, let's make that happen. Uh, give me a little Christmas present in that regard. Let's, let's do the darn thing. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll be honest though, Chris, I would not be shocked to see Abushi end up dropping the briefcase shot to Jay White because that also kind of feels like something Gato would do. Really? Okay. All right. Interesting. I mean, you know, as it stands right now, uh, if Russell Kingdom were to happen next week, it yeah. would be Naito and Ibushi. And those two have a very storied history. Yes. Um, and I think them headlining a night of Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome would be a, a, a fine cap to that rivalry. Yes. Um, but also, you know, like you said, I, I could see it going. There could a lot of stuff could happen between now and then. Jay Ibushi could lose a briefcase to Jay White, and it could be Jay White versus Evil in the main event of uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, one of the 15 on one of the nights. And, you know, for the soul or I guess lack of soul of the Bullet Club yeah, or, or power for bullet club up for grabs i don't know a lot could happen between now and then and you know that's uh the the point they, they get us to come back and and watch subsequent uh shows and matches and see where they take this thing so but you know like we said it's only uh, about two and a half months away so not a ton of time in between now and wrestle kingdom which is crazy to think about in this forever long year of shit that we've been dealing with 
Yeah, uh, let, let us hope that uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, 2021 is the beginning of uh, some positive momentum for everybody. But hey, let's talk about the opposite of positive momentum. Let's talk about the World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the <sighs> revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Do we have to? Uh, I'll just go through it very quickly. We had <laughs> night two of the draft on Monday. Uh, here in order is is uh, who each brand got. Raw okay. got The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, because you can you know, book a murderer at any time. Randy Orton, uh, Charlotte Flair, Braun Strowman, jumping over to the red brand. Uh, okay. Accused sexual assaulter, Matt Riddle. Jeff Hardy, all of Retribution, because of course... Who does not want to sign and then re-sign a group that has dedicated themselves to destroying your actual business? Yeah. Um, Keith Lee, Alexa Bliss, Elias, who made a return on Monday. Uh, Lacey Evans, Sheamus, Nikki Cross, 24-7 champion R-Truth, Dabakato, Titus O'Neil, Peyton Royce, Akira Tozawa, Lana, Riddick Moss, and Arturo Ruas, who... uh, Uh, he's he's no longer uh, going to be kept down in Raw Underground because guess what, folks? Eight weeks in, Raw Underground is canceled. Oh, do you have the taps sound effect for Raw Underground? <laughs> I, I don't have that, but I do have this. That's actually probably more fitting. <laughs> Sorry, Shane O'Mac. Uh, we uh, on the SmackDown side, they got, of course, SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey. They got the Street Profits, and get this, Chris. Oh fuck, fuck this. Go ahead. So this meant that Raw had the SmackDown Tag Champions in the New Day, and SmackDown had the Raw Tag Champions in the Street Profits. So randomly appointed on-screen personality Adam Pierce. Goes up to the Street Profits and Kofi and Xavier Woods and says, well, you've been traded, so trade your belts. Fuck that laziness. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, look, I am a lazy son of a bitch. I will happily admit that. But I am not creative for a worldwide wrestling conglomerate. Okay, that is some of the laziest shit I've seen. Put yeah. some kind of effort into it. Have them have a match. You have, have them... drama right there. You have it's built-in drama. You don't need to write a fucking thing. You just go, oh, well, well, let's hope someone can win those belts back. Because they're all Not the only brand. that, it pisses me off because there's a potential match between the New Day and Street Profits, which would fucking rule yeah. that we've been denied of. Yeah. What, actually, what? And the thing that's ridiculous is we're probably still going to get it at Survivor Series, which, as we all know, is the one night where all the brands <laughs> battle for brand supremacy. Um, we could have done like two out of three falls or a two falls match or something like that, where the first fall was you for lazy the Raw cunts. belts and the second fall was for the SmackDown belts. Like they could have done something unique and interesting, but instead we had them just literally physically on screen hand the belts to each other. Ugh, it's it's disgusting. It's it's fucking. This is why I don't watch WWE. Jesus Christ, it sucks. In a nutshell, Daniel Bryan also on SmackDown. Kevin Owens moving over to SmackDown. Lars Sullivan on SmackDown. Baron Corbin on SmackDown. The IC Champion Sami Zayn on SmackDown. That's right. He was one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh pick. Wait, they picked your. They picked the Intercontinental Champion after Baron Corbin. Yes. 
Baron Another Corbin, reason why I don't watch WWE. Baron Corbin, who in storyline is responsible for the destruction of WWE Raw. God. Oh yeah, that beforehand. Anyway, <laughs> he was the re- he was the reason why the ratings sucked. Yes, yes. <laughs> they scapegoated him on the air. Yes. Oh God, are we? Are, is has has Triple H just taken um, the stance that? Anybody who gets any kind of allegations thrown against them is, is they're just going to get the blanket statement. It's been uh, researched and there's no, no, nothing that that can be done. Because Lars Sullivan uh, had certainly some, sounds that way. Certainly had some hinkiness, uh, m- more recent hinkiness than the original hinkiness that was originally in his past. Mm-hmm. Uh, more things came to light and was just brushed under the rug, and he's continued to get what seems to be some sort of a push on SmackDown now. So yeah, yeah that's great. You've got so we've got uh, Velveteen Dream, we've got Matt Riddle, we've got Lars Sullivan, all with some troubled uh, pasts and pending lawsuits and yep. creepy DMs and all these yep. sorts of things. You got Braun Strowman with a fucking needle and uh, a selfie in the mirror. You've what got, the fuck uh, is happening you, you got there? the forgotten sons who keep oh well, well who literally were forgotten they weren't even part of the draft yeah um but you know i i forget which member of of the forgotten sons it is but there's one of them who keeps tweeting every few weeks about trump and you can almost hear the other two guys slap their forehead and jackson unison. Riker. yes that's right that's i right. fucking hate this guy like not not the, <laughs> not like He's a heel and I don't like his character. The human being that is whatever his real fucking name is. I hate him. Um, And I I don't want to wish harm on any human being because that's bad karmically. But I just do not like this human being and I wish him to go away. Yes, I'm right there with you. Also on SmackDown, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro get to stay. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Uh, stay, come back over. Who knows? Apollo didn't, Cruz. Didn't Dolph Ziggler challenge for a title not too long? Oh, the main yeah, title not he, too long ago. He did on Raw. He he did as he faced Drew McIntyre. I'll make way for Willie. Um. Once Lady Doris do you have any grease? <laughs> Apollo grease Cruz. Grease up, woman. Okie dokie. <laughs> Apollo Crews moves over to SmackDown. Carmella stays on SmackDown. Alistair Black moves to SmackDown, which means his feud with Kevin Owens has moved to SmackDown. Must uh, continue. Yes. Natalia moves to SmackDown and the Riot Squad of Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan also head to SmackDown. Cool. Yeah. And all this, we got a pay-per-view next week. I, I, I cool. misspoke last week. Don't say we, because <laughs> well, don't include it's, me in it's, that it's shit. It's the royal we, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I am not included in anything WWE involves, except oh, I guess we'll get to it in NXT. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, before before we talk about NXT, which I'll breeze through pretty quickly, I, I did want to just go ahead. Uh, what's that? You'll what through it? I'll Tyler breeze through it. Thank you. Um, I, I did want to very quickly touch on on uh, a hot button topic of the week. Uh, the past two weeks, dear Christopher, I, I have gotten on my soapbox and I, I yes. promise I'm not going to stand on my soapbox for very long this week. But uh, I, I had my concerns. Pop off, uh, Queen. Uh, about um, the collective, which was a, a planned and happened last weekend three day festival of professional wrestling shows in Indianapolis, Indiana, all put together by GCW. Um, 
some some of the shows sounded great. Hey, uh, I, I w- from what I saw, the Bloodsport show in particular, the MMA esque show, which was mm-hmm. headlined by John Moxley uh, versus Chris Dickinson, uh, sounded like it was a very very good match. But at the same time, they had uh, uh, shows that were set up for five hundred people in a two thousand person space in the era of COVID. Yeah, and. Uh, I said that I was really concerned about that happening. I was really concerned this was going to turn into a super spreader event. So guess what, Chris? Three professional wrestlers have tested positive for COVID. At least so far. Dan the Dead, AC Mack, Cabana Man Dan, and also, you know what's even better, Chris? What's that? Multiple fans have been posting that they have tested for positive for COVID. Ah, which I think is probably worse, actually. Yeah, no, I don't think it's worse. I know that's worse. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's not great. And you know what's even crazier, Chris? What's that? GCW ran a show last night. Oh, my fucking God. Are you kidding me? They ran a show last night in California. Jesus Christ. Well, they're really changing the game. Not really the way I think they were planning on doing so. But uh, everybody gets COVID wrestling. All right. Great. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Look, I, I, I understand if you are a professional wrestling promoter, there's probably nothing more you want to do than run live shows right now. I understand that there are certain states and certain municipalities that are okay with you hosting live events right now. I, myself... I'm someone who books and puts together live events, and there's nothing more I'd rather do right now than run a live event. But I cannot in any way, shape, or form feel good about running an event when there is a, even a, a hairs of a chance that I, the staff of the show, the performers of the show, the attendees of the show, any the of venue? us, the venue, anyone could end up with what is literally a deadly virus. Yeah. No amount of money makes that okay by me. And it's not like professional wrestling when you are an indie wrestling promoter. It's not like you have a contract with a television network that says you need to produce things every week. It's not like you have these contracts that you're paying out to your roster every single week that says you're going to give them money. Fuck. Why is Ring of Honor, who, by the way, ended up taping this week and cutting everyone who was part of the collective off their shows. Good on them. Why is Ring of Honor the only one doing something worth a shit in all of this? Yeah. Again, 2020 is wild, man. A lot of of the things (laughs) that you wouldn't expect to happen is happening. Ring of Honor having the most stringent testing policy in the U.S. definitely being one of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, it's uh, even our our pal Dan, not our pal, but uh, one of our favorites, Danhausen, got sent home from the ROH bubble. Uh, because yeah. he was at the collective this past weekend yep. and you know the story through quarantine was about mr honor <laughs> signing uh Danhausen and giving him his blimp i mean you know <laughs> yeah the, the, the blimp is now floating somewhere above uh hunt valley right now yeah because they couldn't use it for for the tapings here so yeah it's it was just ill-advised from the start 
Um, I'm somebody, and I know you're pretty much in the same boat. You're probably even more strict than I am. I don't want to go out to a restaurant to eat in a booth that's separated by 15 feet from people. Yes. I sure as fuck don't want to go to a pro wrestling show where pro wrestling fans, ourselves included, don't really have the best, um, historical uh history of being historical history wow chris um <laughs> wrestling fans are dumb <laughs> i'm just gonna say we're, it i i were dirty that we're stinky and we're dumb Rest, okay wrestling that's, fans that's it can be fucking horrible and, and you know what if you're listening to this podcast god bless you you're one of the good ones uh, thank you <laughs> sign up for our patreon please we love you yes um but it, it, it's it's, it's it's also a world of difference. I know the the top of the show we talked about New Japan Pro Wrestling. They are doing shows in a country that has this under control, this pandemic under control to a degree that we in the U.S. fucking dream about right now. Oh, we would never, never, never be able to achieve something like that because Americans are entitled crybaby cunts. And <laughs> I hate Americans. I'm I'm born in Baltimore. I am I'm not only am I an American, I'm a Baltimorean. All right. I, I get that. Uh, but I have what's called common sense. And a lot of Americans uh forego common sense for uh freedom and liberty and yeah. be able to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And it's that selfish nature is why, you know, what are we pushing 250,000 deaths at this point? We're on uh, our way. Quarter mil. Yeah, we're, we're pushing quarter mil right now. Um that's why is yeah. because people are fucking selfish and they don't think about anybody else. And half the time, you know, even and their selfish nature will come back and 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 bite them in the ass. Yeah. But still, they'll continue to feel that way. And the amount of of uh, common sense and discipline and believing in science and a government that is actually looking out for their people, uh, all these all these factors are why New Japan Pro Wrestling is able to put. Uh, I think have they. Cracked a thousand people in a show yet? I don't think so. They're still in the hundreds. Um, I I, I, I think at Summer Struggle because of the size of the oh because uh, the, the yeah the stadium, stadium okay they were able to and it was I, open air too. right right and I think actually at Sumo Hall they probably were in the thousand but it, it's it's literally like you know it's it's a venue that's set the whole double digit thousand and they were doing single yeah. digit thousand I don't know the exact numbers um, but I know that they were they were they were sh- very stringent about. Uh, you know, people wearing masks, people not being allowed to cheer, people coming in and leaving through specific yeah. entrances. Like there, there, there is so many greater levels of protocol. And uh, I could dig in even deeper. There's a a absolutely ridiculous interview with the promoter of GCW, Brett Lauderdale, on Fightful.com, oh. where <laughs> he completely abdicates any sense of responsibility and 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 there's some yeah. great pull quotes in there about how like well if we didn't run these shows i'd have to get a real job and work at like a walmart or wawa and i'd have to deal with people there well guess what yes that's true but also a lot of people in this country now have to do jobs that they don't want because fucking everything's broken right now yeah so like you to be like well i gotta be a wrestling promoter the fuck you do <laughs> like right. no one needs that right now um anyway i digress 
Oh, uh, yeah. You got me on a soapbox, yes. too, this morning. I'm yes. sorry. Before I dig in, because I do think it's worth noting, the hands are not bloodless of all elite wrestling. They had John Moxley there. They had Orange Cassidy there. They had Sonny Kiss there. They had Joe Janela there. They had Marco Stunt there. Like, they were all there. And then also, those guys were on the show on Wednesday. And yes, I know everyone was tested, but how much do we know about how long it takes to pop up? Yeah. How long it takes to show up in tests? How long it takes where you can be uh, asymptomatic and actually still be spreading it? I, like, I... I'm very, very, very concerned about the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, the and they got a pay-per-view coming up in four, three weeks, three, Something four like weeks. That. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's not great. And yeah, not not really in love with it. Before uh, we get into AEW Dynamite, let me just very quickly break into what happened on NXT this week. Chris, did you, I know you saw one segment of NXT, but did you watch the show proper? <laughs> Marty. Okay. You're hilarious. I didn't Why would think you, you think did. I would do that? I didn't think you did, but um, the big things from NXT this week, Tony Storm returned, uh, just beat the I, crap I may have of, seen a gif or two of that. Yes. Just beat the crap out of Um We also found out that uh, <clears throat> for the Halloween Havoc show on the 28th, uh, we are going to have Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez and two rematches from TakeOver as they bring back the old WCW spin the wheel, make the deal gimmick, uh, where right. there'll be a whole bunch of gimmick matches on a wheel Cyber whenever Wednesday. it pops up. Yeah. Um, we're going to have Io Shirai going against Candice LeRae and Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano. But really, the uh, the big punch to the gut is uh, that we found out that Finn Balor is injured and had surgery on his broken jaw uh, and William Regal said, quote, they're going to give it a few weeks to see the progress of Finn Balor before they make any decisions regarding his championship. If I'm carrying cross, I'm pissed because he got (laughs) stripped immediately. Yes. What the fuck, bro? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. Well, anyway, collusion between Lord William Regal and Fergal Devitt of the United Kingdom. There's collusion there. All right, let me see the tax returns, Regal. Okay. <laughs> Turns out Regal's got $400 million in debt. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up the show, though, we've got one last company to talk about. Oh, and we- oh. I, wanted, I wanted to talk about the actual NXT segment I did watch. Oh, okay. Well, let me go back then. You were saying. Because if there's one thing I want to follow up Slipknot with, it's uh, Breezango. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I guess a credit to WWE socials because on Twitter they posted um, a clip of Breezango in their, I guess, doctor uh, – sc- not scrubs, but like the, the white doctor coat. Um, <laughs> and they're going through their their possible opponents, which is – and it's still crazy to me that they're tag champions, by yes. the way. Uh, but it, they, they tore apart uh, with white boards and drawings and little arrows pointing to things about one and two e birch and lorkin and also about the undisputed era and um i fucking miss these guys i i, <laughs> I, I do I, I will i will say the, those guys i mean they're your boys some of my favorites for years and it, i you know i'm not one to often give wwe credit but 
when I see something that I enjoy, I, I will happily give credit to Breezango, uh, to Tyler Breeze and uh, our boy Dango, Dr. Dango, uh, for, for being funny and for Regal also being a great uh, straight man spoiler to their fun. Uh, it was it was a solid segment. So there you go. There's some kudos thrown to the NXT universe. Very, very nice. Uh, and now let's double back over to Dynamite. This was the Dynamite anniversary show, despite happening two weeks after. <laughs> after the actual anniversary. <laughs> the actual anniversary. But it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I digress. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. All of the belts were on the line, and the show kicked off with FTR defending the tag team titles against the best friends. This was a very, very good match, although it had kind of a silly finish. Um, uh, Chucky T and Trent looked great in this one. Uh, had in my opinion, some surprising chemistry with uh, Dash yeah. and uh, uh, Cash. Cash. Um, da- very, uh, Dax. Yeah. Dax Ve- and Cash. Yes, Dax and Cash. That's who it is. Um, very, very good match. What ended up happening was uh, Trent and Cash ended up brawling outside. Cash dodges Spear, and when that occurred, Trent went right into the arcade machine being played by one Kip Sabian. This got Kip Sabian all mad, sent Penelope Ford to the back to fetch Miro. That was not the finish, though, as uh, Chuck ended up getting hit with a tag uh, title belt while uh, Dax distracted the referee. Um, and Dax rolled him up to retain the belts. I-, I thought this was good. Some people I saw online weren't super happy with it, but I, I thought this was a-, a damn fun match. It was, yeah, like you said, it was pretty silly towards the end with the whole arcade cabinet situation, but the match itself. Like you said, they had they had some pretty good chemistry, and I enjoyed the action as it happened. You know, the belt shot. You know, they're, they're heels with Tully, so it, it makes sense. You know, it's not out of character for them to cheat to win. And uh, yeah, I have no problem with it. Chucky e. T and um, Trent. You know, these guys can take only so many L's before people stop investing in them. Uh, and I understand that you want FTR and Bucks to happen, but right. you know. What's going to happen? Trent, Trent, and uh, you know, Trent, the best friends, and Lucha Saurus and Jungle Boy kind of get stuck in the wayside and and possibly forgotten about in the meantime as you get to this big program. That I get, but I guess that's the problems you have with having such a, a stacked tag team division with people that are all pretty much over at various uh, you know extents to the crowd. Very, very true. After the match, Penelope Ford, Miro run in. Miro destroys Chuck and Trent, which takes us right to the next match, which was Miro and Kip Sabian squashing Lee Johnson and Sean Maluda. More accurately, Miro defeating Lee Johnson and Sean Maluda single-handedly. Yeah. Uh, Miro was crushing. Yeah, just decimated them. Uh, so we got a quick promo from uh, Kip and Miro. Kip said that the arcade game was his most prized possession, which I feel like is going to be a storyline point with uh, Penelope at some point. Penelope, yeah. Uh, Miro right grabs the mic, yells in Bulgarian, and then said in a line that I love, good friends, you break my shit. <laughs> <laughs> this was the most intense, silly promo I've ever heard in my life. Yes. This is just yes. such a such a contrast between content and delivery. Yeah. Um, but it was delivered really well and forcefully and meaningfully. So you know what? I I got kind of want some vengeance for for Miro for for having his arcade machine uh, crashed into. I I, yeah. I they got me. 
I'm, I'm a stupid idiot. <laughs> uh, and then right after that promo, because the show is just moving, 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 we went right to the back as Lance Archer was beating up John Moxley backstage. Absolutely crazy. And then we go back to the commentators who preview the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament, which will be starting next week on Dynamite. Here are your opening round matches. Ray Phoenix versus El Penta Zero M, which should be awesome. Oh, yeah. Joey Janela versus Kenny Omega, which would be their third match. The first two were pretty good. Colt Cabana versus Hangman Page. And Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, which uh, could be a sleeper hit of a match there. Um, looking at the way everything is laid out, I think it's pretty clear we're going to get uh, Phoenix or Penta against Kenny Omega. And mm-hmm. Hangman Page versus probably uh, Jungle Boy. Although Page versus Wardlow sounds pretty good, too. And it looks yeah. like it's all going to lead to an Omega Page Finals at full gear. Although, given the fact that it seems really obvious, tells me maybe Page or Omega is not making it to the finals. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could see pretty much any of those guys uh, going through. Maybe not Cole Cabana. Pretty much everybody but Cole Cabana <laughs> making it through to the finals here. Um, and it'd be in, an interesting match one way or another. But yeah, sometimes uh, it's it's the most obvious. Sometimes they'll subvert the expectations. But uh, but we'll see what happens as the, we get the first two matches on Wednesday. Uh, all four of the first. Oh, all four. All four on Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, we had an MJF promo. This was his big announcement. I can't really do this justice. You kind of have to watch it to get it. But uh, MJF comes out. Calls out Chris Jericho. They do their cartoony Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck-esque back and forth uh, about MJF joining the inner circle. Uh, By the way, it turns out uh, MJF finally gave Sammy Guevara his jacket, and it's a good eight sizes too big. Um, But MJF said uh, he maybe possibly could be interested in joining the inner circle and challenged Jericho to... A steak dinner, which will happen on next week's AEW Dynamite. Le Dinner Debonair, yes. uh, which is 100% a Jericho idea, if yes. I've ever heard one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, those two guys are uh, entertaining enough on their own and together for me to to give it a shot. I mean, look, Chris Jericho is the guy who put a Mimosa Mayhem match over. So, you know what? I'll give the guy the benefit of the doubt here. Yes. Uh, then we had another Britt Baker uh, video package as she and Tony Schiavone were at a spa together, which was just ridiculous, silly and fun. The weirdest friendship. And then Reba was back there with uh, uh, the whiteboard easel sort of thing as yes. well. Uh, and then Tony, Tony Schiavone did the old uh, Steve Carell, 40 year old virgin checks, chest waxing bit, which man, Tony, uh, Good, good on you, bud. Good yeah, on you. Yeah. Way to commit. Way to commit, bud. Yeah. Um, then uh, after that, we had for the TNT championship, it was Cody versus Orange Cassidy. And it was announced as uh, the gentleman was watching the match from the rafters that uh, Darby Allen is next in line for a TNT title match. Uh, he'll be getting a TNT title match at full gear, but OC and Cody was the match of the moment. They had a very, very good match that went to a time limit draw. Um, super fun match, uh, even included uh, a, a brief uh 
intermission of sorts with uh, the Dark Order on the outside there, yeah. in the face of Cody, uh, John Silver being absolutely ridiculous. Did you hear the uh, the Tony Khan John Silver story? No. Uh, Wait, that's a real story. That 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 is a real story because uh, Tony Khan told it uh, doing press for the Dynamite anniversary this week. Oh, I thought that was a, I thought that was just a. Uh, them working an angle. I didn't know that was real. Yes. So uh, apparently um, just to give the difference in terms of people who run pro wrestling companies, the idea of a rib for Vince McMahon is he will have you legitimately kiss his ass in front of your hometown crowd. Or as I, as he did to, I think uh, Gerald Briscoe, he shit his pants once took off his underpants and then chased Gerald Briscoe around with his shitty underpants. Wow, that's uh, yeah. That sounds Vince like a Vince McMahon sort of thing yeah. to do. Yeah. So this is the type of um, r- quote unquote rib that Tony Khan plays. He called John Silver into his office one day and said, "I see you have this personality. So why the hell is it always on BTE and never on Dynamite?" <laughs> and uh, we're getting a lot more John Silver on Dynamite because his reaction being thrown out was a ten out of ten. Like. I, I thought Santana and Ortiz were like the kings of selling being tossed out by a referee. John right, Silver's yeah. right up there with them. Yeah, no, I uh, may have learned from the best, but yeah, I've I've when I've been watching BTE recently, which has been you know sporadically every other week or so, the Dark Order bits are pretty much consistently the funniest. Um, so so yeah, good good on that. I thought that was a uh, I thought that was just a random made up story. I didn't know that was real, and that's yeah. that's not even close to being a rib. That's just yeah. like hey man, that's just <laughs> you know. Push yourself and and let's get some more uh, some more energy energy and, and entertainment out of this. And right, right. Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this. That's see, that's how you that's how you run an organization. Man. I know, right? <laughs> Constructive <laughs> criticism, not being tossed or, or chased with a feces filled garment. Yes, fuck Vince McMahon. Yes, uh, but anyway, to double back to the match itself, OC actually had really great chemistry with Cody. It's it's easy to forget. Yeah. That when you strip away the comedy artifice of Orange Cassidy, there's an incredible pro wrestler underneath there. And uh, they had a very good match. uh, And um, they timed the mousetrap perfectly with the time limit expiration. So just really well done. We went back to the back as Alex Marvez had Lance Archer and Jake Roberts. But before Lance Archer could open his mouth, here comes Mox as they started fighting again. Hell yeah. Get you some, Mox. Get you some. Infect everybody. Yes. Uh, Tony Schiavone was interviewing Matt Hardy in the crowd. Matt said he's healthy and clear to return the ring. And in the one bit that really actively made me cringe on television this week, Sammy Guevara popped up on the screen and said uh, he's the one who attacked Matt Hardy and that the feud between them will never be over. So they're going to keep wrestling, even though their feud is very cursed. Yeah. And he what lit some photos with a zipper that said twist of hate on yes. it. Yeah. Um, Zippo. Zippo. Is that what I said? You said zipper. Did I say zipper? You did. Wow. Okay. I'm still <laughs> thinking okay. about Kota Ibushi. Uh, it's all good. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> I haven't been able to stop thinking about him. <laughs> Um, and then again, Tony Schiavone, man of a million promos this week. Uh, he was in the ring with Tully FTR and a lottery tumbler as we were going to pick names for the four way, uh, that will be on dynamite this coming week. Uh, winners getting the number one contendership to the AEW tag belts. 
the teams are Private Party, Butcher and Blade, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, and the Young Bucks. And uh, they really played up, at least, especially from Tony, that how awful it is the Bucks are getting this spot. I don't know if it's because we haven't had TV with, you know, real full crowds. This Bucks heel turn is still not working for me. Well, it's, it's oddly timed because if they're going to be going against FTR, who are heels, yeah. why do you need the Young Bucks to be heels? Yeah. Um, it's it, yeah, it, it's suspect unless they're not doing that. You know, yeah. it could just be a red herring uh, to throw people off the scent. And, you know, uh, well, the three of those four teams are heels, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's real. Yeah. It, I, I, I don't know. And then, you know, it's it, yeah, it, it hasn't been firing on all cylinders. I'm not 100 percent into it either. Um, you know, I'm fine with them kicking Alex Marvez in the face, but once you start kicking Shivon, I get a little perturbed. Right, right, exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out, but nevertheless, uh, we then had for the AEW Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida defending against Big Swole. Uh, another decent match for the women here. Um, very hard hitting at times. Shida was it six ended, minutes. Yeah, it wasn't very long. It was um, brief. Yeah, Shida ends up going over and retaining the belt. Uh, they need really to figure out what they're doing with the women's championship. I know they've been rebuilding the women's roster, but they have some very, very strong personalities in the women's division. You know, you've got Anna Jay, you've got Britt Baker back, you've got uh, Nyla Rose, who since being put together with Vicky Guerrero has done less than Jack nothing. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've got uh, Anna Jay, you've got Abaddon, who we haven't really mm-hmm. seen too much of on Dynamite. I know she's been on Dark, but you haven't really seen her on Dynamite. And there's been a bunch of random women who like have done spots here and there. You're Heather Monroe's and so on, where it's just like, pull some triggers on these women. Let's let's get more exciting things happening. I, I know I saw an interview with Britt Baker that you know, the issue is because they're in a ratings war, the women's division isn't delivering the numbers so they're trying to not focus on it as much but i feel like it's a self-fulfilling well, prophecy right you're not going to get there unless you showcase them you exactly. gotta you gotta put you gotta put the effort in um but it's still not the worst thing going on in AEW television that almost came up in just a minute uh but we talked about what's gonna happen next week we got the le dinner debonair we've got the uh four-way for the tag title shot. We've got the first matches of the AEW uh, world title shot eliminator, but in two weeks, we're that's going to be up against the Halloween Havoc show for NXT. We're getting a rematch between Orange Cassidy and Cody for the TNT championship. So I like that. I like that a lot as well. So we had Eddie Kingston, Penta and Phoenix come out and come to the announce desk. And while they're on their way out, we got a Sean Spears video that I could not give a single fuck about. And it's really him talking about how he's not stalking Scorpio sky and he's got an ax to grind with him. And yeah, I don't give a shit. Do something (laughs) better with Scorpio sky and free up the money that you're paying Sean Spears. I always wanted to be that Sean Spears type. So this is, this is how I consider this happening. Um, Justin was Cody and I was Sean Spears (laughs) and I, my plan was to ride those coattails to uh, fame, fortune, and notoriety. Um, didn't quite turn out that way. Uh, definitely worked out better in many respects for Sean Spears than it did me. But 
um, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be that guy that nobody wanted around, but was around because he was best friends with the guy who was the talent and or in charge and the EVP. Um, so you know what? I'll give Sean Spears credit for accomplishing the goal that I set out to accomplish and failed. Uh, but other than that, get off my TV, please. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a big nope. It's just not working for me at all. Who's it working for? Yeah. Peyton Royce? That's it. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's all I can think of. Even uh, Cody has to be sitting back like, fuck, man, I think I made a mistake here. Yeah. <laughs> where's, where's Cardona? Yeah. Uh, yeah, where's... I would say I, I understand why Matt Cardona was signed for five appearances. It wasn't just because <laughs> he's Matt Cardona. It's because they've got an albatross right. called Sean Spears on a contract right now. God, what do you think Sean Spears is pulling down money-wise? <sighs> I know he's pulling down Peyton Royce, which is enough to keep any man happy. But I would say knowing the type of deals guys were getting, his is probably like 100K. Ah. Uh. God, for doing fuck all. Yep. I, I could go out and put on Toriano style matches for that. Yep. I'm you with know? you. Damn. Yeah. Anyway, on the field. our main event of the week was for the uh, new, take two. Our main event for the week was a no disqualification match. For the AEW World Championship, John Moxley defeating Lance Archer in a hell of a brawl. Um, Lance Archer having a new intro, which includes going through a glass panel that he threw a extra through. New theme, yeah. which sucks compared to his old theme. Yeah, uh, why would you replace everybody dies? That's a fucking banger, dude. I have no idea what's going on there, but what I do know is this match absolutely ruled and uh, yeah. What I think is really cool is Moxley is building like a whole bunch of different finishes to his match. He's got yeah. the uh, the paradigm shift. He's got the bulldog choke. He used a crucifix pin here. And of course, he's been teasing the use of the um, a gotch style pile driver, which I, I'm sure yeah. will get him a victory at some point. Uh, just a really, really good match. Maybe not as good as their match at Wrestle Kingdom because, you know. 40,000 fans versus 400 fans. Yeah. But anything in the Tokyo Dome is better than Daly's place. <laughs> yes. Um, although, who knows? If it was a packed Daly's place, we might be saying something else. Maybe. Um, uh, Dave but, Meltzer would be. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but very, very good match. Moxley gets the fluke win. Archer attacks Moxley afterwards. And Kingston, Penta, and Phoenix, who were on commentary. Well, really, just Kingston was with Penta and Phoenix hanging yeah. out by him. Kingston continuing to say Penta is his best friend, which I think is the best thing in the world. Uh, Kingston, he orders Penta and Phoenix to the ring to make the save for John Moxley, which was a big surprise. Then Kingston cuts his promo about how he and Mox have been friends forever. Kingston never tapped. You know, Moxley's carried the company for a year and uh, he, you know, really supports him and loves him, asks Penta and Phoenix to raise his hands. And as soon as they do that, Kingston throws a spinning back fist and then puts Mox in a choke. So our our big finish was uh, Kingston and Co. standing tall over a beaten down champion. So I guess we're getting Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley at full gear. Hell yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, just a really, really. Sub- I mean, I I texted you. Uh, I think it was on Thursday that that photo of yes. Eddie Kingston, Penton Phoenix at the booth uh, with uh, Excalibur, and I was just like, imagine. 
five years ago showing this to a wrestling fan and they'd be very confused because you had like There's TNT so logo in the back. On. Yeah. Excalibur in a suit. <laughs> yeah. Just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And the fact is we are, you know, a year into AEW and our main event feud is for the world championship, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. What a world we live in. What a world indeed. And with that in mind, I do have a brief announcement to make before we uh, before we finish up the show here. Yes. Um, I am opening a GoFundMe account to raise enough money to send myself to Japan so that I may apply to be the personal thigh masseuse of one Kota Ibushi. I would appreciate you all uh, contributing what you can to help me fulfill this, what I didn't know was a lifelong dream, but has now become my only focus in life, is to take care of those wonderful muscular thighs of Kota Ibushi. Please and thank you. Yeah, you can uh, head to the GoFundMe now. It's GoFundMe.com slash Ibushi Thigh Guy. The Roughhouse Podcast is a weekly podcast. Follow us at Roughhouse SGW on Twitter and Facebook.com slash the Roughhouse Podcast. Become a donor to the Roughhouse at patreon.com slash the Roughhouse Podcast. And check out our videos at youtube.com backslash channel backslash capital U C E G J two one N lowercase W capital G lowercase K capital P M lowercase L capital D N seven lowercase C three lowercase R lowercase F U V Q. This is the, the rough house, rough pod- house uh, podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is the rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis and listen up because this is the rough house podcast with Justin and my least favorite man on the planet. Christoph and Marty. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. Oh, hi. Didn't notice you there. My name's Farmer Brown. These days, everyone's concerned as to what's going into their diet. People like farm fresh goods and produce. But have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, I wonder what's going up my ass? That's why I introduced to you Farmer Brown's line of locally sourced sex toys in my new shop, From Farm to Butthole. At Farm to Butthole, you're not going to find chemically laden lubes and things that can cause a UTI. Oh, no, sir. Farmer Brown uses all natural soy milk, cow's cheese, and goat tears to properly grease up that hole of yours. From farm to butthole, each one of our dildos is hand-whittled from fresh northern Colorado mahogany, so you can sleep soundly knowing that you had a nice natural rogering of your A-hole, V-hole, or your M-hole. Farmer Brown's from farm to butthole. Lord knows what those anal beads are made out of that you're stuffing up your grocery pipe. Well, have you ever tried some farm-fresh cranberries strung with a nice sarsaparilla root? Well, you're going to find that at Farmer Brown's from farm to butthole. Locally sourced, organic, and good for you. And your butthole. At my shop, you don't have to worry about latex or all kinds of silicone condoms. Nope. What we like to do is take an acorn tip and put it on the head of your shit. That's right. It's an acorn condom. Fits right on the head perfectly. Hurts like a motherfucker. Farmer Brown's from farm to butthole. Take a handful of nature. Stuff it up your ass.